special day, it's Woodland Critter Christmas. Mr. White Christmas, I'm Mr. Snow, I'm Mr. Icicle, I'm Mr. Ten Below. Friends call me Snow Miser, whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch. <laughs> I'm too much. Welcome to the Jacket Cast. I'm Brad. And I'm Kelly. So we're at about the quarter season and we haven't done a show for a while. Unfortunately, we've been sick for a while. Aren't we at the third of the season now? I think we're just under a third. But yeah, we got sick around Thanksgiving, and one of the many perils of podcasting is lost audio, which we're no stranger with, so we haven't had a show for a while, but we're going to get back into it, and coming up next week is Social Media Night, so... If you can still get a ticket to that, I believe you get a t-shirt. $10 drink. Yep. And you get a meet. I guess people on some of the more popular social media accounts, we will be there and we will be podcasting. I believe some of the other shows will also be podcasting. Winberg and Carlson will be there. Yes, they will also be there. So if you have a ticket or if you're planning to get a ticket... Stop by, say hello to us. You can jump on the show. Yeah, we got a third mic. So as long as it's empty, come on over, sit down, tell us what you love about hockey, and uh, talk Blue Jackets with us. You'll be able to tell who we are because I thought I was buying a cheap, flimsy banner with our logo on it just to get us through social media night. Um, And instead, I ended up with a giant super nice banner with our logo on it you should not be able to miss us at all we'll also have uh, business cards and free pens so come get a pen i see it here on our outline you put podcast studio was there something you wanted to say about our podcast studio oh i just wanted to uh say you know you've been working so hard on it and putting up all the vinyl stickers and the posters and all the signed pictures of the players that we have. And it really gets me in the uh, Blue Jackets podcasting mood. I actually don't have all the pictures up because Cam, Matt Calvert, and David Savard were kind enough to sign some pictures for me, and I have not put them up yet. Just very official. And... I believe this is only the second episode where we are not looking at a Christmas tree while we podcast. So this was our overflow room, and uh, Brad has it all cleared out because there's the biggest closet in the house is in this room. <clears throat> it's in the basement. Excuse me. Still coldish. Um, but all the Christmas stuff and all the fall stuff... Anything seasonal goes in the closet down here. And somehow we ended up with four Christmas trees total. So if you count the Charlie Brown tree someone gave us, that's five. (laughs) So uh, there was some Christmas tree overflow outside of the closet that was part of the podcasting studio. Uh, But now it's gone. It's all gone. And now it's just a podcasting studio. 
It's also going to become my game room slash podcasting studio, but I haven't quite cleared everything out yet, so it's just a podcast studio right now. So, quarter season, almost third season, checkpoint. So, I don't believe anyone related to a Blue Jackets uh, fan, player, or anyone saw this season coming because they're sitting at 19, 5, and 4 with 42 points. Just let that sink in for a minute. Not the dog sneeze. (laughs) So they have 42 points. They are third in the Metro right now. And there has been this giant arms race as the top teams have just not lost until recently. Until this weekend, uh, Pittsburgh lost, I think, Friday. Capitals lost yesterday. Flyers lost yesterday. So sitting right now, and I didn't look at the points, but I believe the Blue Jackets have, at worst, a five-game lead over the first team that's out of the playoffs right now. And with all of this, they still have two or three games in hand on everyone. And with all the losses yesterday, the current longest winning streak in the NHL. So currently they have the fewest regulation losses in the NHL. Their power play is the best in the league, and their penalty kill is 14th in the league. Good teams do well on special teams, and they're doing that right now. But so I guess the question is, are the Blue Jackets for real? I think we have to say yes at this point. I mean, when I first wrote these show notes, because we were supposed to record this, was it last weekend or the weekend before? I think last weekend. I even last weekend was still like, I wrote these. I wrote, are the jackets for real? And I have all these stats under it. Um, But over the last week, if I had written these show notes brand new this weekend, I don't think I would have put this category in. I think they've convinced me this week. Because starting last Saturday, what they started doing is they might struggle for a period and then they just turn it on and blow teams completely off the ice. And they're doing this to, I guess, mediocre to bad teams, which kind of uh, does say a lot about a team, how you play the bad teams. This is where the Blue Jackets have struggled the last five years, I'd say, is letting those bad teams take one from them. So... What we saw really is they've dominated three teams in a row. So your first point here is articles about them not being real. The numbers say this is not sustainable, which I agree. Some of their numbers are not sustainable, but what has also happened is it's as their, as their numbers seem to be coming back down to earth, they've started shooting more and it's kind of evened itself out. You talked about how they played well against the teams that are currently lower in the NHL. They uh, they beat Arizona. Twice. They beat Colorado. And they're currently finishing up their Western Canada road trip this week, today, actually. Um, and they've beat every single one of those teams. And in fact, the, the middle game against Calgary, they didn't follow their usual algorithm of slowish first, solid second. Um, Dominating third dominate in the third instead they had a uh, okay first a um 
strong second, and then they just super held, strong second, and then they just kind of went. We're taking this home and turtled for the third. Yeah, I think they were three points. They were three goals ahead of them. So for the third period, they just kept their three goal lead, which is something that this team would not have been able to do last year. Really, where I saw a different team was the Islanders game because they had a couple of fluky goals going, some bad breaks. It was two to two going into the third. They're playing kind of iffy, and then they just came out in the third and completely shut the Islanders down, put in four goals. Like it wasn't even a game in the third, it was just domination. And the Blue Jackets just came out, and it was just the Blue Jackets. They were the only team on the ice. And you keep talking about how interesting it is to see teams that are currently playing not as well as the Blue Jackets and seeing the Blue Jacket, the old Blue Jackets and those teams, which makes you happier that they're doing well. Well, Arizona and the Islanders were ones in particular. And the things I noticed there was the lack of puck movement. Um, and the, I want to call it counterproductive physical play, where they were being super physical with the Blue Jackets, but they weren't necessarily accomplishing anything with it, which was them in a heartbeat. And then also the dumb penalties, which they do not do as much anymore. That was the other thing with the Flames game. The Flames were trying to be really physical with the Blue Jackets, and I didn't understand that strategy because the Blue Jackets have no problem being physical just because they're not as physical this year doesn't mean that they're gonna they're gonna crumble when you get physical with them like some of the other top teams they're still physical they've just toned it down to focus on winning what I think the problem is is when you get physical with the Blue Jackets you open yourself up to them getting shots up the middle and that's where they're very dangerous like I'm gonna go back to the Detroit game because that Mrazic goal that he kind of took the blame for because he tried to ice it and then they and then they told him he couldn't because he came too far out. Yeah, Mrazic was kind of dumb there, but where they got screwed on that play is there were two guys fighting with Boone during a live play and they essentially created a four on three power play and that's where they scored. It was I mean what Mrazic did was dumb, but his teammates did not help him at all. No, Boone had those two guys in the corner. I mean, they were really aggressing on him. He wasn't even the one holding them there. And boom. Yep. So let's talk about the math going forward. So they have 42 points right now. I'm going to assume you're going to need 98 to get in this year. Now, where you're going to be really safe is when you get over 100. So right now they need 58 points for 100. So what they have left game-wise, that would mean they have to go 29 and 25. That gets them 100 points. They almost just have to play 500 hockey, and they have 100 points. Yeah. And now, if you want to just be safe and have 98 points, that's 28 and 26. And now, of course, these can this can change around, too, because you can turn some of those losses into ties. So let's say you go 29, 20, and 5. You know, that's not, those numbers are not impossible. That's four games above 500. I think the real point with that is they can regress. They have given themselves plenty of cushion to lose a couple games. They only have to win four more over 500 to get a hundred points. They have given themselves room to have a bad week. 
which is really good, especially if they do anything what previous Blue Jackets teams have done. They're going to need that cushion at some point, but maybe this team won't. I mean, we'll see. But the other thing to do with regression, I mean, obviously they're going to regress. Absolutely. Um, At least in certain areas. But I'd also like to talk about the eye test. So I love the numbers. I love the stories the numbers tell. I really love the visuals that like Micah McCurdy is doing. But um, from an eye test perspective, the Blue Jackets aren't doing anything crazy. They're confident. Felino's not out there making crazy Johansson sod skill shots. Felino's out there making Felino goals. He's not doing anything skilled. He's just playing his game. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, everybody, it's like everybody is their best selves. No one's doing anything that I haven't seen them do before. They're just doing it consistently. Well, where I look at, where I look at potential regression and not regression, what are the things I don't think will regress? The way they're playing defensively, I don't see regression there because that is system. On the penalty kill, they've already regressed a bit on the penalty kill. They're still doing good. The power play. They've regressed on the power play. Still potent. Uh, puck movement. I don't see puck movement as a regression. Teams might challenge them a little more, but the way they move the puck, I don't see necessarily regressing Zone entry, which was a big problem last year. I don't see them regressing to dump and chasing. Uh, setting up good shots that I don't see regressing. Where I think you would see regression, and I think you've seen regression too, is shot percentage, which I think has gone down, uh, getting lucky shots like that. But like I said, as that stuff has regressed, they've started shooting more, and it's kind of just balanced itself out. As soon as those shot percentages regressed they started shooting almost 40 shots a game which i think that can go down too but and the other thing i don't think is going to regress is the way bob's playing because bob is is playing differently we've talked about it at games he plays deeper in the net he plays a much more positional game bob isn't making those crazy bob saves because he's just in the right place he's not giving up rebounds he he looks like c-max some games honestly with the no frills style. Um, but I mean, the better defense, the pushing guys to the outside instead of letting them in is also helping with the, there's no highlight reel saves if the defense is doing their job. So that's part of it too. And the other, the other thing I don't think will regress, which we've talked about a lot, and they've actually shown on Fox Sports a couple times, they've highlighted on Fox Sports a bit, but you can really see it in games. And that's another thing that's different from last year is, when they're on defense and Bob gets it and he kicks it out to someone, they're almost immediately attacking through the neutral zone. Whereas last year, it would take them a couple minutes just to get everything right, and then they'd slowly go through the neutral zone and the defense was set up. I don't think that's something that's going to necessarily regress. Teams might pressure you more, but I think I think there's inherent risks in that, and they're still going to be able to to turn it back to offense quicker. We should look up time and zone and see if the time in zone has been less for Bob than it has before. If he's had to be that super on alert less because we haven't been in our zone as much. And the other thing I'm going to say too with defense is teams really struggle to get good looks at Bob. Like really struggle some games. 
I think that takes us to depth, really, because that's another thing. And I think we've talked about this a long, long time ago on a podcast. Um, but Boone and uh, Dubinsky still haven't really come on. But it's been okay because Sedlak has started scoring and uh, Gagne is still scoring. And some nights Calvert scores and some nights Saad scores and some nights Cam scores. And it's, uh, it's a round robin. Everybody is scoring. Dubinsky is scoring. Boone scored, I think, three now. Um, he might have scored four. But everybody, everybody steps up on different nights. You have different players stepping up on different nights. So, again, like the cushion they've given themselves in the standings, a couple guys can have a bad week because the other players are there to carry them. Not would have happened last year. Last year's fourth line. I mean, come on. This is so much better. Um, so I think the playoffs are pretty much a given at this point. They might slide down to like an eight seed or something. But um, I'm excited about the prospect of playoff hockey and being able to go. Uh, how do you feel about, one, getting playoffs and how do you think they will do? So last week, I think I was tweeting with um, one of our listeners, and I can bring it up. James, James had asked a couple weeks ago how we felt about it, how we felt about the playoffs um, on November 16th. And you had said you want to see the team get to 20 wins before 10 losses before you believed. And they haven't lost since I said that. No, they haven't. Well, they haven't lost in regulation since I said that. And I said, my heart says yes. My head says, stay quiet and try not to make any sudden movements. So that was November 29th. We're at December 12th. And honestly, I am more confident than not confident. I'm only talking about what could happen bad. Um, because I feel like I should. But I really... I mean, I really think this 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 team is going to keep winning. Obviously, with some more losses, you can't just get through a season with five losses or whatever ridiculous number they have right now. Um, but I think they're going to be strong. I think they're going to be strong until the playoffs. I think they're going to be strong in the playoffs. Their current mentality, their current confidence level, I think that uh, however deep they go, I think it's always going to be a seven-game series. Um or they're going to stop them right out of the gate, but they're going to fight. They're going to fight till the very last second. Last year's team, last year's mentality. Um, they couldn't even make it through one whole period. And now I think they can make it as far as they want to go. I was trying to think in my head what, uh, what I thought about maybe getting out of the first round this year. So I was going team by team in my head. So Montreal, I think... I think they can probably beat Montreal in a seven-game series. I think they could beat Washington. Rangers, I would be iffy on. Penguins, I think the Penguins would find a way to win that series, unfortunately. I think Philadelphia, they could beat. Uh, I think we'll have a better idea about the Penguins after Thursday. We haven't seen them play the Penguins yet. Yeah. Thursday, we get to see what what that's going to look like this year. And then, who are the other teams in the... Is there, oh, Ottawa. I think they could beat Ottawa. 
in a series. For the Habs, it would really be the backup goalies. Um, who could beat whose backup goalie, I think, because Price and Bob. Price is almost unbeatable. I mean, let's just be honest. I think I think the Habs are weak without, or one. I think the Habs are pretty close to being a one-player team, and I think you would have to have. You'd have to have Price on his game every night. So the other the other teams in that competition are Boston, Tampa Bay, and Florida. Uh, Boston, I do not think they can beat Boston, unfortunately. Tampa Bay, I think they could beat Tampa Bay in a series. Florida, I would be iffy on Florida in a series. Florida well, has not the, doing well. They're they're only at two points out though, but they didn't play particularly well against Florida that first game. I didn't think. And then Detroit's in the conversation too. Uh, I think they would blow Detroit off the ice, honestly. So I guess my biggest worries would be Pittsburgh, Boston, Florida, and the Rangers. I wouldn't be that worried about anyone else. I know Washington's big and scary, but the Blue Jackets seem to have their number this year. They had their number last year. I mean, I think they might have gone 500 last year. But for the best um, team in the league. Yeah, that's... and with how the Blue Jackets were playing. And when you watched those games... The Capitals got a little lost playing the Blue Jackets. My only concern with the Capitals is the one time they came into Nationwide this year, you could really see the superior skill to the Blue Jackets players. It's the only game this season that I saw Wenberg get outskilled. But they beat him twice, though. But they beat him. And I think that that's a definite that they can beat that team. Absolutely. I disagree with you about Florida. Florida doesn't even really have a coach right now. Florida's hanging in there, though, and Florida has that weird, like, that weird can kind of do anything well, and they're a weird matchup. Like, I would just be worried about them because they're such a bizarre little mishmash of a team. Rangers and Pittsburgh, I agree with you. Those are the teams that always trip us up, that we always struggle with. Um, so if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be them. And they're two of the best teams in the league. So no shame there. I think because I, and I think the problem is if you're getting into a shootout with the Rangers every other night, you're not going to win enough games. And I think that's that would just be such an insane physical like one mistake costs you series that it would just be a tough it would be a tough one in Pittsburgh. I mean, I don't like Pittsburgh, but they have such scoring depth that I think that would be. That would be really a challenge. And if they have Flurry and Murray still, I think that's a tough combo. And the Rangers have Anita and Lundqvist. Yeah. And Boston, they've lost they've lost twice to Boston. They weren't in either of those games. I think Boston's just one of those teams they're not gonna have they're just not gonna be able to do it. That loss, though, earlier in the season? That was earlier in the season. No, but they lost it home to Boston. They're going to grow. They're going to grow throughout this. Four of their Um, five losses are Boston Boston and San Jose. And Boston's beaten them by, like, a score of of, of 11 to 4 in the two games. San Jose is, like, kryptonite. Yeah. So, I mean, they could, but I just... There's just something about the way that Boston team plays that I don't think the Blue Jackets match up well with. 
I'm not going to say I don't think they can win it. I think they can win. I mean, seven game series is basically 50 50 shot for both teams anyway. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get blown off the ice on any of these series. I think I think any series with the Blue Jackets is going to be a six or seven game series, and that team is going to feel like they came out of it fighting a war. But I just, those are the teams I worry about is Boston, New York, and Pittsburgh is the most like scary. Yeah. So let's get into the players. I predicted before the season that he would win the Calder Trophy, and I think I'm looking okay because he's starting to get some buzz, but let's start off with the rookie, Zacharinsky. He was the rookie of the month? For November. For November. He has six goals, 14 assists for 20 points overall. That makes him a rookie, the eighth overall defensiveman in the league. Uh, are four of those goals power play goals? or I, I didn't uh, okay. go into that. Um, that also puts him tied fourth among all rookies, and he has six more points than the closest rookie defenseman. Is that Chip Chura? I don't know. Um, so he is tearing it up, and I know we've talked about it, but he is so much fun to watch. Yeah, he is. Just the effortless nature of his skill set and the way he moves the puck on the power play, well, really in the zone at all, and the fact that he uh, he just outskills guys. He looks like he's been playing in the league for years. He works so well with Felino and Wenberg. It's like this magical trio of hockey. He's good at feeding uh, Ganya the puck, too, I've noticed. I mean, good at feeding everybody the puck. I was talking more about a certain, like, ice chemistry that they have right now. And he really shows no fear. There was that game in Washington where he and Ovechkin were getting in a shoving match with each other. Yeah, and he was right in there shoving him right back. It was great. So then, oh, he also he's also tied with Ryan Murray right now for most points by a Blue Jackets rookie defenseman of all and- time. We're only a quarter of the way through the season, so he's going to blow that record out of the water. He might blow the rookie he might blow the Blue Jackets defenseman points record out of the water if he keeps it up. Cause fifty to sixty points is not I mean, he could drop off, but I think fifty points would be an easy push for him. There's really I mean, you could literally talk about Zach Wierenski for hours. You could. So Next up, and we talked about him at length in the offseason and last year. His stats are really good. The only thing he was not doing was scoring goals, and he took way too much heat for that. But Nick Foligno, 22 points, 10 goals, 12 assists, and he has been an absolutely dominating presence at times this year. He was out two games with a flu, and uh, we were worried. I think Torts was worried about how the team would do without him on the ice. And they won anyway. And I think that speaks a lot to the team. A lot to the team. Um, but I think it also speaks a lot to Nick that we were all kind of like, oh, Felino's not there. Can he at least like go in the locker room or something? Because <laughs> he really makes the team work better. I don't know why. I don't know how. But he does. Um, but yeah, he's... <clears throat> I was looking at at his good year, twenty the 2014-2015 season. 
and it looks like he's on pace to break that. He has also been nominated to the All-Star Game again this year. So he'll be going to California. But yeah, he's having a good year. He's he's being Nick Felino. So another one of my early season predictions, I think I said 65 points for Alexander Wenberg. And he's well on his way to probably doing better than that. He's on that Felino line. He goes out on the Felino Wierenski um, power play. He's got six goals and 19 assists so far. And he got in a fight the last game. It's crazy. It was like 30 seconds into the game, maybe less. People are really putting a little too much into that, I think, because he had to fight because Kachuk attacked him and he had to drop the gloves. If that, I don't understand how that was not an instigator penalty. That was some pure garbage from the refs, if you ask me. Oh, I looked up, and I see Wenberg's number and fists flying. <laughs> like, what is going on? I don't understand. I mean, he did good. He got in a couple good punches. Now, the thing I noticed with Wenberg this year is, first of all, he's shooting. I don't know why he didn't shoot before. There was that game... Oh, crap, what game was that? The goalie absolutely stared him down, or he didn't even look, and he put one through the net, and the goalie just, like, stared a hole through him. The first game in the season? No, that was, like, later. It was, um... Oh, crap, what game was that? Remember, he looked like he was going to pass it, and then he didn't even look, and he just... He was, like, at the blue line, and he put it right through, like, shot it through three people right into the goal. Yeah. Oh, who was that? That's going to drive me nuts now. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, and uh, now he's got his skill to go with it. So um, a lot of people are saying this is it. He's going to be our number one center. He's the number one center. Um, I still think that number one center might be a tiny bit. I don't know. I don't know if he would be if he's ever going to be a natural number one center, but I think he's going to be a natural one B. Yeah, makes sense. I would agree with that. I think where he really shines this year is uh, just when he gets the puck and he he moves at top speed, and the fact that he's really hard to knock off of the puck. He's fast. So the team point leader in Cam Atkinson, you know. I look back and it's hard to believe he has 29 points, but then you start looking at game scores and you're just like, cam, 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 cam. I feel like the cam point leading is very quiet compared to um, kind of all the press that Gagne's getting and Flino's getting and Wenberg's getting and Wrensky's getting. You kind of have cam there on a dud of a line, let's be honest. Um, Dubinsky and Boone are really dragging him down, especially Boone, if you look at some of the numbers I think um, he led in points last year and he really didn't get credit for that yeah he just and I don't know why because like you said even even we were like really he's the point leader and then when you actually think about it game to game you're like oh yeah but I don't I don't know I don't know why he's why it's so sneaky with him but he's rocking it and uh they did not nominate him for the all-star game and we think that's crap I think where it's really telling with Cam is like the multi-point games where he has like two assists, four assists, 
you know, stuff like that. Like there are some games where you look and you're like, holy crap, he like totally just dominated that game. So up next, the what I would call the steal of the offseason in Sam Ganya. 13 goals and 9 assists. And he has just been a beast this year. Everything he does puts a goal in. I mean, he stole Wierenski's goal from the Flames game. Yeah. It was all Wierenski. I don't even think it touched him. It might have a little bit. But he gets the deflection and he gets a goal. I mean, it... He's just standing there. He gets a goal. He's. Um, but we've also there's been talk about this, and we agree that he's doing so well because Torts is using him correctly. He's on the fourth line. Um, he's on the power play, right? Yeah. And that's it. That's all he does. When I looked this up last week, and I didn't look these numbers up again, so I can't update them for you. But last week, he had the least. Um, he had the least ice time of the entire team forwards who are regulars, and he has he and he had the most goals on the Blue Jackets. I think what they're doing with him is I think if I really looked into his history, I bet he is a defensive liability, and that is why his use is so specialized and why they're getting so much out of him because they are. They're taking away defensive responsibility from him, and they are pretty much just saying, shoot the puck. Which, I saw somebody bring this up, but I don't remember who, sorry. But is going to want to get paid after this season. Um, the Blue Jackets need to re-sign Wenberg, and I think that's a bigger priority than Gagne. So if it's that Gagne is a defensive liability, why not just bring up Bjorkstrand or Milano and stick them in that same position? Because I think, I mean, I don't know if they would be doing as well. Because he's a good shooter. I mean, and not re-sign Gagne. Oh. Because if, yeah. if they don't have the money, they have to pick between Wenberg and Gagne. Oh, yeah, because Ga- someone's, someone like someone like Arizona or the Islanders or someone is going to be stupid and pay Gagne like $4 million next year. Right. And they're going to And they're going to try and force him into like a second line situation where I don't think he will... The he Blue will Jackets excel. can't give him $4 million and won't give yeah. him $4 million. So I see what you're saying there, yeah. So I wouldn't because he uh, he is a he is a luxury to have, but not a necessity. And I think you could find those goals from someone else. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I wouldn't... I don't want to say that because we obviously have never found those goals from someone else before. And I don't want to downplay what he's done. I'm more saying for what his cost is going to be, I think that they're going to try to fill that in from the monsters, and I don't blame them. Yeah, because what's going to happen next year is someone's going to overpay him and use him incorrectly, and his effectiveness is going to go down, and then the fans are going to be complaining, well, why did you sign this guy? He sucks, blah, 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 when really you should be using him like the Blue Jackets are using him. But that happens in sports all the time. But yeah, I see. What, I agree with what you're saying there. So then up next is Brandon Saad. Nine goals and 14 assists for 23 points. I've really liked what I've seen out of Saad this year. He's still not my guy. I mean, I like what I see. Um, but I don't... I don't know. He's not my guy. 
he you said that he doesn't move fast enough for me and that's why i don't like him well what he has this he has this reputation as a breakaway guy but if you watch him on breakaways he's he doesn't have like he's fast but he takes a while to build up his speed whereas cam or calvert are gone and you know i think he gets by on those because he's so smart and he takes good shots but he's not fast but i think where he's changed a lot this year is last year he felt like it felt like if he wasn't getting a breakaway he wasn't doing anything and this year i've seen a much more physical game from him and i've seen a lot of work with the puck in the zone and off the puck and i think he's a much more complete player this year than he was last year i'd agree with that totally And that's to Tortorella, who was going to sit him and told him that he needed to play more defensively. So, I mean, that happened. I think you don't like him because he doesn't have a lot of personality on the ice or in interviews. He had a lot of personality when we met him, but he doesn't anywhere else. He doesn't exude that, yeah, anywhere else. I don't don't not not like him. He's just not your favorite. You wouldn't get a sod jersey or anything. No, no, I would not. Um, He, like... He would not be on my top 10 list of Blue Jackets players. And it's not to do with his play or anything. It's just not somebody that um, draws my attention. But um, obviously, extremely appreciative of the 23 points that he has right now. He's not on our list outline, but I'd like to throw in Josh Anderson there on here with, I think, eight or nine goals. And he's just been a, there's been some games where he's been a dominating presence. On yeah, the third I don't line. have Anderson on here at all, but yeah, Anderson is one of my favorites, and I totally missed him. So see, even even the favorites don't always get the love. And he's he is a guy that can do it all. He can shoot really well. He's fast, and he can also goon when he needs to. And I'm pretty sure Hartnell saved somebody's life during that one game. Oh, Steve Ott. Yeah, he's messing with Anderson and Hartnell got in a fight with him and we were like that guy lucked out because Anderson would have just Anderson was not happy the bad hit was on Anderson and Anderson got up and was going after him and Hartnell was like I'll save you Ott yeah <laughs> uh. so then this takes us to Bob who has been healthy so far this year and has just been completely unstoppable I think he's giving up less than two goals a game 935 save percentage. He He's currently the league leader in games one with 17. Is that 18 now? No, that, that's correct. Okay. Um, I think it's correct. And his save percentage, that .935 save percentage, puts him at fifth in the league. And he has three shutouts, which is more than I think his last two seasons combined. So I touched on this a little bit. If you go to the games live, he plays a very different game, uh, deeper in the net, uh, does a lot to cover that, those low shots. He doesn't give up that shot off of the, off his, off his kicker pads as much, uh, catches them. I'd say a much more positional game this year. He's even changed his ticks. We were laughing the last game because they play, they, they switched the music up this year. And uh, one of them is, I don't think it's their th- entrance music. They change yeah. the entrance music for every, the beginning of every period. Yeah. And I don't think it's the Led Zeppelin version. I'm not sure of that. 
but they play the immigrant song as one of them that comes in and Bob totally rocks out to that song. He does. He he does his little ice thing in time to the music and it's so cute. He has a different routine for that song though. He does. He does something completely different. Like he has a much more intense like I'm ready to take over the world and I and they did it once and they kept doing it and I think Bob told them that they need to play that more. I don't know. He likes it. He gets into it. There was another dis what, what I think it was a disturbed song. He was like kicking to the music or something. I don't remember what song it was. Yeah. But yeah, I think he's enjoying the the music change. Yeah, he's just I mean, he's been outstanding this year. And the games that I love are the games where he just like he just shows an amusement at what the other team's doing. Do you want to talk about the uh, almost beheading incident? Is that the St. Louis game where he tried to decapitate the guy? Or I don't remember. There was a St. Louis game where they got a, They were like all over him, and he tried to use his stick to decapitate the player. Don't mess with Bob. Okay. So you already pointed out that Anderson wasn't on the list, but the the good problem to have with this team is we could go on like this down the line for every single player, the entire team. Savard's been phenomenal phenomenal almost all of the the Flino Saad Wemberg line that that line almost all of their goals happen when Savard is on the ice if you look at Savard's wowie chart almost everybody is better when he's on the ice it's crazy I mean we knew that last year Savard was great last year but he's really just killing it and I would say no matter what happens the rest of the season Calvert will have the play of the season with his covered in bandages go ahead shorthanded goal against the rangers yep and he had that other shorthanded goal against calgary calvert's gonna calvert he just there's no stopping him at all uh johnson one of the biggest surprises with a quick footnote he's ninth in the league um in his plus or minus at 15 he is a positive i think i've heard and i might be wrong but it's the first time he's he's ever had a positive plus or minus. And it's I think it's because he's getting less minutes. He's playing the minutes he should be playing. And he's uh, on the second or third defensive line with Murray instead of on the top line. I think both Johnson and Murray do better when they're not on that top line. And I would say, too, and I, I see this brought up quite a bit, is he played really well when he got snubbed for the Olympics that one year. And I think starting the season on the third line is part of why he um, he's playing so well. But we were laughing at him. Again, I don't remember the game. There was a game where he got a breakaway and he juked like over a guy. And we were laughing the whole time because it was the slowest breakaway like ever in the history of ever. It's so funny. When he gets open ice and is skating towards the other goal, it is literally one of the funniest things in hockey. It has to be. Because he, he can get up, he can get up speed, but he just he looks so slow doing it, like so awkward and lethargic. Uh, Sedlak has two goals and five assists. I still uh, crack up how happy he was after that first goal. So happy! I don't think he stopped smiling for twenty four hours. I know you said it before, but like that look on his face was like, "Who wants to touch me?" He <laughs> was. It. It's. It's really. Um, it's really fun to watch watch those young guys have success like that. Um, and then there was Jones choking that guy out on the ice. That, that messed was great. With him. That was Arizona. 
uh, who else? Uh, Nudavara. Nudavara. If uh, Wierenski didn't exist, we'd be talking about Nudavara and how amazing he is as a rookie defenseman and how well he's adapted and how much he's grown. Um, he's doing extremely well. He's just in a very large shadow. He need, they need to get him to shoot more because he has a really nice shot too. He definitely has more room for growth. Um, but he's he's doing really well. And he would be the defensive story of the year. And I think we need to also mention him by name because he has been a whipping boy of this podcast for a long time. But Ryan Murray, he is really excelling on the third pairing. I think he'd be doing better on the middle pairing, but I think they have him in the right place. The pressure's off of him, and he is playing a good game every game now. Well, that's it's consistent with what we've always said. I mean, the underlying theme to everything we've ever said is he is not a first-pairing defenseman. No. I was upset when he was put with Jones, and I, under- I understand that that's the defense really we had at the time, but I thought he was going to drag Jones down. He did. He did. He's not. He's not a first-pairing defenseman, and he's doing so much better now in the in the proper place. And, I mean, think about what we've talked about that now. We've talked about Johnson is in the right spot. Murray's in the right spot. Um, who else did we say that? Oh, Gagne. Gagne's mm-hmm. in the right spot. So we actually have a team where we can put people in their correct positions, and that has to be helping the overall picture, too. They can play where they excel instead of pushing people into trying to push people into a spot where they can't exceed, succeed. So then we have to go on the other side of this. Players not doing so awesome. And it really kind of offends my sensibilities because I feel like this is very double standardy. But you know what? Boone really deserves more hate than he's gotten this year for how he's played. He's the only full-time player with a plus or minus in the negatives. I think you were looking it up on charts too, and everyone plays worse when he's on the ice too. Pretty much, yeah. Um, he's he's an anchor around the team. Uh, I understand that he still shows hustle and he's still probably good on the forecheck and and all the hockey heart things. Um, but besides that, your complaint is if this was Ryan Johansson, they would have already burned the tower down. Yep. And where he really is embarrassing some games is when he keeps passing to the other team. I will give him some credit. There was, what game was that? There was a game recently, I think it was the Islanders game, where he had a really excellent game. There was a game recently where he had a really, like, like even last year it would have been a good game by his standards, but I don't remember which game it was now. And that's been the most frustrating part about him for me this year is he shows those flashes. You're like, there he is. He's back. And then it's just gone. For another three games and then there's a flash you're like ah boone's back that's it that's gonna get him back on track and it doesn't and so that's been hard to watch and then the other one is brandon dubinsky which kind of pains me now i'm going to half defend him i don't think he's been quite as bad as some people make it out to be i think he's been a disappointment but i think he's 
he's done better since the initial badness, but he just it just hasn't shown up in his numbers yet. And again, he's on that boon line, which makes that a little harder, I think. Yeah. Um, he's only above Boone in plus or minus. He's 12th um, on the team in points. But I'm pretty sure he's the face-off leader. I didn't look that up, but uh, my gut says he is, or at least close. I agree. I think his play has been steadily improving. Um, but I don't think he's Brandon Dubinsky yet. No, and I miss some of the little things he does that he's starting to show. Like, I love when he's got the puck and you think he's about to lose it to the other player and he just takes his stick and like just has complete control again like I love when he does those little dangles and gives guys hope and he's just like nope but we did love that fight he had against the Islanders though it was awesome and I didn't think so at first because it kind of looked like the guy fell and Dubinsky punched him as he was falling but what you didn't realize is he went low on the guy to not get hit and then he pushed the guy over and punched him in the face right as he was going down he you missed the part where as he was pushing him down he avoided a hit from the guy and then came back in and clocked him and then he stormed off the ice without picking his stuff off yeah and and at first i was like oh brandon this is really disappointing like this is this is a really not good fight and then it got to the very end and you watched and i watched the replay and i was like wow that was actually that was a good fight. I like it. It was a smart, it was a smart fight. You kind of had to see the slow-mo and it up close to see like all the little, like the way he kind of just was picking the guy apart and setting him up exactly the way he wanted and then took he, him down. He knew that guy fed right into Dubinsky's plan. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And he did like, he, the reason that fight happened is Dubinsky like pretty much flipped him over his stick. Which was also fun to watch. Yeah. We got a couple of tweets about other people's takes on this quarter of the season. So, um, Working Class Duck said, uh, Sedlak, despite not scoring, has quietly been one of the best depth forwards on this team. Also, Josh Anderson has been a beast. And Working Class Duck also wrote a blog post about Sedlak. And uh, I pulled up his wowie. He is, despite not scoring, being one of the quietly, one of the best step forwards, like he said, has really shown up in a very small sample size. Let me put that out there. He seems to make his line mates better. Everybody seems to do better when they're on the ice with Sedlak, which is interesting. But again, he's not on the ice for long. He's a fourth liner right now. But it's interesting to watch and to keep an eye on right now. I think his six or seven points would have made him the second best fourth liner last year, though. Yeah. So then Dave Lindman said, hashtag no fluke, not saying we're going to end season greater than 100 points, go deep, but this team now feels sustainably good and real. And I think that's I think that's the key that we've kind of been dancing around is at first, like through those first 15 to 17 games, it didn't feel sustainable. It felt like a fluke. And as the further we keep going and the team kind of evolves with more games, it's starting to feel sustainable. Yeah, I think that that's actually the perfect quote for where I'm at right now. 
team now feels sustainably good and real. I mean, that's it. That's where we are. So then I think the thing to really look at for why the success of this year is coaching. This all comes down to coaching. For all of those people saying they're professionals and they shouldn't need a coach to tell them what to do, this shows otherwise because a coach makes the team. And when you say coach, you're not just talking about Tortorella. You're talking about Bradshaw. No, I honestly think Bradshaw has as much to do with this team's resurgence as Tortorella does. Because, like, the the penalty kill and the defense, like, that is Bradshaw. Like, I and would the like... The defense is so improved. I would like to find footage of the Blues when they started becoming good when he was on the team and were a little less talented, and I bet that they would look a lot like this Blue Jackets team. And Tortorella has really grown as a coach, it seems like. He's really letting the players play to their strengths. Um, He's given them a lot of leeway. And that's easy to do while they're winning, too, I'm sure. And I think he's adapted to the reality of the league. And the reality of the team. Whereas Todd Richards wanted to play this blue-collar, dump-and-chase, grind it on the boards when he didn't have players that were good at that. Yeah, I remember Cam always trying to grind it out on the boards. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, really, Todd Richards was also someone who always came out and said, well, they're professionals, they're professionals, they're professionals. Um, But Shaw and Torts, I really think huge reasons why the Blue Jackets are successful right now. One and two. I agree. And I think if they win tonight, Torts wins number 500. Yeah, against the Vancouver Canucks, which is one of his old teams. Torts cracks me up because they were like, hey, the next game, if you win, it's 500. He's like, eh, that's just a number. Let's talk about Winberg punching that guy in the face some more. Yeah. I've never seen a coach so happy about a player getting in a fight before. Well, he said last year, um, Winberg could have been in the running for the Ladybug last year with his very very small amount of penalty minutes and I remember Tortorella saying that he actually wanted Wenberg to get more penalties so um yeah Wenberg did that and also I I think it goes without um it's kind of gone under the radar but Scott Hartnell has I think less than 20 minutes of penalties so far this year let that sink in he had like, I think, 120 last year and averages 100 a year. No, I think I saw yesterday, and I forget who tweeted it. I apologize. But I think that Wenberg and Hartnell have almost the same amount of penalty minutes right now. I think Wenberg has more because of the fight now. Probably. Well, no. No, Hartnell just had that fight. So. No, I think I think it was Wenberg has to get like another two minutes, and okay. he has the same as Hartnell. Okay. Yeah, so... Hartnell is not doing those counterproductive Hartnell things this year, and I think that really goes down to coaching. And another guy who we didn't talk about, but he has embraced being on the third line again. Hartnell? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've totally skipped over him. Um, But again, everybody's doing so well 
And he's one of those guys, too, where I kind of feel like he's had a bad year. Then I look at the points and I'm like, oh, wow, he has like 10 or 11 points. Like, I'm totally wrong on that. Everybody on the team is contributing. Everybody's getting points except for Boone. And I mean, that's success. That's why they're successful. Yep. So then I guess in miscellaneous news, Gregory Campbell is not a blue jacket anymore. I think I saw he won't be Monday. Okay. Because whatever kind of waiver he's on is a 48-hour waiver. So if no one picks him up, he he will not be a Blue Jacket on Monday. No one's going to pick him up. I know. It's sad. He should have gone to the AHL and cashed those last couple checks. Oh, and we forgot to mention it too. Cody Golubev is now a Washington Capital. He is? Remember that got that came through a couple weeks ago. They traded him for an, a Washington AHLer. Oh, that's right. Just some housekeeping because we we didn't get a chance to talk about that. But the, the last the last thing we are going to talk about, and this is a, this is a repeat of last year, but we both got um, New Jerseys for Christmas. It kind of started because I've mentioned my weight loss on here once or twice before, but I've now passed the 53 pound mark. So my in-laws decided that since my old jersey was coming down to my knees now that I needed a new one. So, and then that led to Kelly getting a new one. So the the thing we always talk about, and it's always a conversation here, is when it's time to buy a new jersey, how do you go about getting the player that's going to be on your jersey? And I think there is a lot of thought into that. Namely, are they going to be here for a while? Are you going to be embarrassed by them (laughs) if, if they leave? You know, I also am big on I don't want to have the jersey everyone else has. So I kind of had a list in my head. And so I went out and I got a Zach Rurinsky jersey. I know that kind of goes against some of the things, but I got a Rurinsky one because I really enjoy watching him play. I think he's going to be here a while. And I just like he's he is my favorite player to watch right now. If he keeps going the way he's going, it's going to be like Bob, like there's no shame in a Bob jersey. There will be no shame in a Wierenski jersey 20 years from now. There's yeah. no shame in that. So so then if, if you listen to this show, I'm pretty sure you know who Kelly got. I went and got a Winberg jersey. <laughs> uh, you probably saw that on Twitter. So I know it's a contract year, and that was a hindrance for sure. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Yarmo lets Winberg go. I just don't. Um, and the other thing was social media night with him and Carlson being there. I was like, Ooh, if I get a Winberg Jersey, I can go get it signed. Um, in case we're not season ticket holders next year. Um, I mean the other contenders for me, it was really Winberg and Anderson were duking it out for the number one spot. And then Jones, because Jones is always my number two. I don't know why I feel bad. I'm going to go get a guilt jones jersey because i keep wanting to get one and get somebody else instead Um, no i i said that too jones was my number two and i i told kelly like i feel bad because he's always going to be number two or three on the list and i'm always going to talk myself into a different jersey we need to get like a jones jersey between us and we can just share a jones jersey (laughs) that's what we need to do anderson was also on my list but i don't think they had anderson jerseys or else i would have been highly tempted 
now, um, someone tweeted me a site where he said that they look exactly like they do from the blue line, except they're stitched on. He promised me that it's not the weird, funky, large letters. So I might be checking that out for my next jersey purchases. Um, but uh, for this year, I had the Christmas money in cash, and I just went to the blue line and, and got it. So, But I, I do want to check that site out. Thank you for that. Blue line, get your act together. Well, I guess that the blue line, um, they only heat press on the numbers. And this place, the jersey is 125, and they're sewn on. So, But this leads to another funny story because Kelly said that she's glad I bought a Rinsky jersey because I'm hard to pick out in a crowd now because I look so different. And so she finds me by my Zach Rinsky jersey. Yeah, you know in the Matrix, when they go in the Matrix and they look the way that they're, how they see themselves is how they look in the Matrix. In my head... Brad still looks the way he looked for nine of the ten years, eight of the nine years <laughs> that I've known him. So when I'm trying to find him uh, in a crowd like Nationwide Arena, my my eyes, my mind right now still isn't picking him up as a as a Brad shape. Um, but there's not a ton of Wierenski yet. We'll see what happens after Christmas. So. Uh, I definitely am looking for the Wierenski eight. Yeah, because you have to understand, like I started at about, I started this at a little under 280 and I weigh about 225 now. I've lost five pant sizes. Like I do not look like the same person anymore. Like I'm, there are people that I used to be a lot bigger than that I have 10 pounds on now or I'm 10 pounds lighter than now. So, I mean, I look, I look incredibly different and it's, it's actually really nice for the seats since our seats are a little tighter this year. But yeah, so Kelly, Kelly looks for a number eight. So if some stranger in a Calvert or a Winberg jersey comes up to you and like looks at you and walks away, she probably thought you were me. It doesn't help that I'm short. I can't see. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking for you to be taller than everybody else too. Well, that, 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 that's what makes it tough for me to find you in a crowd because if, if it's a big crowd, I can't find you because you're short. I do what I can. So last reminder before we go, social media night is Friday. We'll be there early. Um, we'll be podcasting. Please get there early. Pull up a mic. Talk with us. You'll be able to miss us again. We're going to have a giant banner on accident. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to it. I, I want, I'm looking forward to talking hockey with all of you and uh, getting to see you in person. So We will probably be doing it after the game, too. Uh, so... And if we you don't know about the actual setup, but yeah. one way or the other. But but we were told that people will be doing it before and after, so we'll probably do both. Um, so pull up a seat. Uh, you're more than welcome to, and say hey to us. You know, everyone's welcome. You'll only get me afterwards until it's time to get in the Winberg line to get my jersey signed. And if you're from one of the other podcasts and you're listening to this, you can hop on too. We don't care. Yeah, wander over, say hi. Well, that's it for this week. We will probably be... The next episode you're probably going to hear is audio from Social Media Night. And we'll probably do a end-of-the-year show before the end of the year. So that's it for this week. You can check us out on Facebook, 
um, under JacketCast. Follow us on Twitter at JacketCast. You can check us out jacketcast.blogger.com and you can find us on iTunes as JacketCast. Please, if you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and we're also on Stitcher as JacketCast. And in case we miss you, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Yep. So see you next time. And that's the end of my show. Dong.